When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for episode 8 of Amazing Race Canada season 8. My name is Jessica Lees and I have some terrible news for you all. A non-elimination leg has been committed! Dan Heaton, what do you think, what do you make of all this? May non. <laughs> it, it, it is a crime. I, Just I, we I, mall. It <laughs> is a crime worse than anything the chef committed. Oh my goodness. I still don't understand how the, I don't understand the murder mystery, but we're jumping ahead. Yeah. So um I didn't get any sense of urgency in this episode. And I don't know if it was just me reading the teams and how they were acting, but I was like, everyone's having fun, but you get near the end and they're doing all the editing. And I was like, and John, no poker face. He was smiling. <laughs> he couldn't even keep a straight face on camera. He was like saying, well, I guess, you know, the guys, it was real tough while smiling. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But yeah, not elimination. You know, I enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed parts of this very much. A kind of do some silly things, I guess, the way I would describe it. I mean, yeah, it was a very fun travelogue. I think it was um, you got a nice look at at Gatineau. It seems like a cool place to visit. And, you know, when people are traveling with the amazing race and they're out there on the race and they run into bystanders and the bystanders say, why do you have these cameras around? What's going on? 
they are told to tell them it's a travel documentary. And this week, they wouldn't have been lying. Pretty places, though. I want to go to that chateau, that Fairmont chateau. Oh, my gosh. That place looks incredible. The pit stop looked incredible. Um, the museum looked amazing. It's a travel hog. All those things look great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was much of a race going on this week. I'm not sure this show really is a race anymore, but, you know, we'll roll with it. We like a good location. We like some fun tasks. So I guess we should just start talking about those same tasks in question. Um, so we're going to go to Ottawa and get on a different train. So that's. And then they get to drive. They get to drive the really fancy, like the pickup trucks, right? The electric trucks that nobody can order in the States. So that's fun, I guess. Um, it's Nella's birthday. That's exciting. Woo. Happy birthday, Nella. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nella. And um, apparently her sister has gotten her a lot of maps. We're just going down what happened. Yep, these are things that happened. The brothers are looking for a pocket. That was what happened next. <laughs> they got on a train. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things where I like a lot of these teams, and so they're they're still having fun. There were still some interesting things, but really, they get on a train all together. Then they drive. All pretty much end up at the Canadian Museum of History and Gatineau. Like they do go to Ottawa, you know, but then they drive across and go to Quebec which, you know, Ottawa, I didn't realize, so close in Ontario to Quebec, and go to Gatineau to a cool museum. And that's, and then when they get to the museum, wait, wait, do not want to go to the task yet. First, they use this amazing thing, Jess. It's called the Expedia app to book their tickets. Now, does the museum have a really bad website on their own? I don't know. But Expedia app works amazing. You go to the things to do section and book your tickets, and that's what they did. Well, you know, Dan, it can be really expensive to mount a CRM platform to sell tickets on your own website. So it is possible this museum sells its own tickets. But I think if I were if I were sponsoring a nonprofit tourist organization at this point in time, I would probably just have a third party handle it for me. So I think this is a smart move on their part. And who knew you could buy museum tickets on Expedia? Maybe that's just in Canada. but. I think it's, I think it's cool. Yes. And it, it was, people were very impressed when they got their clue, they were given a phone to book the tickets and were able to do that. So then they could go inside the empty museum. And I don't know, now that I think about it, did they really have to buy the tickets? Do you think they had to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> did you notice the tickets cost $26? That seems like, that seems steep for a museum. I, mean, I know that's Canadian dollars. So that's probably you know, like $3 US, but um, that seemed kind of steep to me. I, I maybe it's, it's, it's probably a very cool museum. I've been to some, I mean, sometimes you think about like, you have a, a nice museum. We have a few that are free here in St. Louis, but then, you know, you could pay 20 bucks US for a museum and 26, you know, I mean, they did have the Canadian stamp collection. I mean, that might be worth it right there, Jess. Every Canadian stamp ever made, which is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, this was one of those tasks. This felt a little bit, this felt a little bit amazing Chamber of Commerce race to me, 
but I didn't hate it. It was, it caused a little bit of drama, which is for this kind of task is kind of surprising. So I think that's okay. Uh, I was surprised that since they were looking for numbers, they weren't made to do any more math. Uh, but this really also, I feel like we've done a lot of tasks this season that have been go to this museum and look at this exhibit that already exists here and write down some things from it. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to have to add up the numbers or do some, or memorize the number, you know, like memorize them all or something, but they were able to go write them on the board. And then again, we saw where all the teams seemed to have the same stamps, which I thought maybe they would give them different stamps so that they couldn't work together. Um, which teams didn't end up working together, like you mentioned, because um, I'm not sure what happened. But I mean, I get it on both ends. But Craig is just like, let's do this how we've done the last few tasks. Let's work together, Fernella. And for, and Fernella's like, no, we like to focus on our own thing. Which at first I thought, okay, that makes sense. They they just they have they do a good job of having their own approaches. But no, that wasn't really the case. I think when this like started. I'm not picking on them. And they decided, okay, final six. Now we're just going to power forward. We don't really need to do an alliance. We're just going to do our thing. It's distracting. And we have seen past seasons where alliances can be distracted, notwithstanding. And so I don't hate the move, but it did seem very awkward. It did, Dan. It felt like um, if you're ever doing a Brant Steel simulation, and in the middle of the simulation, it'll just say, like, this person left the alliance. It felt to me like Frank and Nella really left the alliance today. And it is, I, I was thinking a lot about this, especially in light of what we said last week, where we had noted that it you'd never come off great if you ask to work with somebody and you get shot down. And I feel like neither team here came off great, but if they'd worked together, we would have been sitting here saying, oh, what a smart, what a smart move that was. And this alliance is getting them further. But now it's just like they both come off as kind of as kind of whiny. The editing this week, I found the most interesting thing beyond the test this week was the editing, because I feel like this was like all the teams got different edits this week than they've gotten most of the season. Like Beverly and Veronica were the fun loving team that was making jokes. The brothers were really boring. It didn't look like they cared if they won or not. And um, the court had some funny jokes, which I was confused by too, but it was one of the, and Fernella seemed different. Like, I mean, they've, they've seemed fun and strategic, but the show kind of painted them more like not in a great way, but then also, I mean, there was a really nice moment. We'll talk about later with Craig and Catherine with Craig, but in terms of this, I mean, how could you have a situation where both sides, like you said, I kind of was like, yeah, I don't, they both seem like they're overreacting, but I get both of their views, but the editing is, the editing is what kind of interested me. Cause then I'm starting to think, am I overthinking this? And are, is Fernella kind of being set up here as doing something incorrect, not like morally, but incorrect for their race based on this edit? You know, I don't think it is, but I think I think at the point at which somebody asks if you want to work together, you come off badly if you shoot them down. And I think the the solution to that is don't ever be the person that's initiating those things. Like wait for people to come to you and then and then say that you'll work with them. It's almost like 
it's almost like if you're the one that brings it up, you run the risk of looking bad. And then if you're put in the position where you turn it down, you also run the risk of looking bad. <laughs> yeah. And so, that's the thing. The edit is so tight too, right? Where yeah. we don't see all of it, where it looks, it almost is more confusing that way. It was really confusing and it was like weirdly hostile. And, and again, I don't think that if you were there in the moment observing this interaction, it wouldn't have felt so tense. But this really, like, you almost got a little bit of a heel turn for Fresnella there. Yeah, and I don't think that they, one week, decided, we're just going to be mean or something. They've done this. I mean, this is how they played the whole season. I mean, we saw it a little bit with Beverly and Veronica last week, though, again, like I said, it was presented differently, but, um, and all the teams came out of it fine. Cause again, everyone seemed to do mostly okay in this, even though teams were ahead or behind, I think teams were pretty close together. It was mostly, I mean, we saw a lot of it, but this, I don't know, this also could just be a case where this was two of a long task and the show is understandably for a reality show tr- where most teams are very likable trying to ramp up the drama a little bit more than what is really there. But again, it's hard to say based on what we saw. Yeah. And this is another example of a task that's probably very good for a race and very good if you're doing the race and maybe not so good if you're watching it. (laughs) So, and there's a balance here because of course you immediately follow this up with a task that is very fun to watch and probably not necessarily having any kind of direct bearing on what happens in the race. Right. Yeah. Because here, I mean, I did enjoy Craig putting the light on his head like he was going in a cave during the stamping. But that's one of the main things. And the speed walking. Before we move on, I should mention yes. everyone's speed walking. Beverly and Veronica, very good speed walkers, I have to say. Um, they probably were the most, um, they had the best like moves in terms of walking. I, why can I not think of the right word? They're rhythmic or something. I don't know what the right <laughs> is. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so then that's about it. But then the roadblock, it was one of those where really I feel like the only trick, I mean, that M was really big with the roadblock. Sorry, who wants to be put on the spot? You had to find the M. But really, this was this was actually one of the things that we haven't seen as much this season, which is the amazing, in quotes, kind of thing where you get to go up in an old plane and look down and you're 1,500 feet in the air. But really, the trick was who could find the plane in the museum first. That was really what determined what happened. Yeah, it did, Dan, because there was no way they were going to take you up there and have you miss what you were supposed to be looking for. This is not a skill-based task in any way whatsoever. It was really like they, they really don't want to have to waste the fuel. They don't want to have to waste the time of the pilots. It's like you're going to get up there and they will like nudge you ever closer to it until you tell them what you that you have found the M. Yeah, it seemed more like I mean, again, I didn't I enjoyed it like from a TV perspective. I watched like that looks like that would be really fun to do. That is not something I would normally do in my life. So and I'm not talking about finding the beaver, you know, or seeing the M. I mean, the actual riding in the plane, which I know, like I mentioned, there was a moment where. Catherine was really excited and Craig just broke down. I think probably, you know, just feeling so like a happy cry is what I would say. Broke down sounds a little more like he was sad, but just being so happy for her. And I enjoyed that moment. But in terms of just the race, I mean, there was no, the main movement was just that 
it seemed like Court and Allie were, got some help and were able to find it before the brothers. So they arrived at the same time. So they were fifth. Brendan and Connor were sixth. Everybody else pretty much showed up and seemed to find the plane about in the same timing they were there. Maybe Nella got in in front of Marika, but it was all so close. Yeah, and it really doesn't seem like, you know, the face-off mixed up the order maybe a tiny, tiny bit, but it was pretty much the order in which you found the plane was about the order in which you finished this race. Yeah, and that's where it's one of those situations where, and I don't always mind the fun non-elimination leg on its own. Like in a normal season, okay, they got to do some fun things. Let's not eliminate anyone. We like these teams. They seem to have some things to do, and then we moved on. I think just not totally the fault of production, but given that everything we've had this season, when you get to the final six and we finally lost two teams, I'm like, now the race is going to reach a new pitch. I think even last week, I was like, now the teams are going to hustle and do this, and now we get back to this week, and it's like, at least Court and Alley weren't last, because if they had been, we would have had, again, a ridiculous thing where the same teams would have been last Three same three teams would last over and over. We got something different, but overall, it was like how much could Brendan and Connor have done except for winning the croquet? And with the exception of Catherine and Craig, the teams followed like normal face off, Jess, which tends to happen. A team loses, then they win. They lose, then they win. There was a few exceptions here. It wasn't totally that, but it was pretty close. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of notes for the croquet task be honest Dan like I don't hate croquet as a face-off but conceptually I think all the pieces in this leg of the race were interesting they were they looked like the racers were having plenty of fun doing it but I think that we could have seen a lot more strategy in the croquet now correct me if I'm wrong Dan and this is something we've got we got some feedback on this so I'm not the only person that thought this like I I don't know did you ever play croquet growing up when I was very young, we um, we did have a set that we would play in the backyard. And I don't I know where you're going here because this was the most fun part of croquet is the part that we did not see on the show. Yeah. And the part that I did not do as a child. So I thought croquet was a boring ass game. I thought it was just like, OK, you put your ball down, you use your mallet and you whack it in a straight line through the wickets and you get to the other end and you just take turns whacking it. And the harder you whack it, the closer you get. That one's just for you, R-H-A-P-O-O-C. But I didn't realize until I was, I think until I was old enough to watch the movie Heathers, I think is where I learned about this part of croquet, which is the rule where if your ball lands next to someone else's ball, you can then put your foot on your ball and whack your ball such that it sends their ball like off into off into no man's land and then they have to go and like hit it back into the court and this to me like this makes croquet super duper fun and it seems to me like maybe they were not allowed to do that in the face-off because we never saw it happening and i feel like this is a fundamental part of what makes croquet an interesting game and they should have been allowed to do that and maybe they were allowed to do it and they just didn't in which case they should have been encouraged very strongly to do it yeah, because when we were kids, it was all about, I mean, the, the game, like you said, not that exciting. You know, you're kind of like, oh, I could just be going and playing like baseball or doing something different. It was, you know, wiffle ball, whatever we did, then soccer. 
But the thing was, is yeah, you would purposely try. Sometimes a lot of people would not even bother. Oh, I don't need to hit through the nice little hoops. They're not called hoops, really. But and I, I just want to go hit them. And oh, there's a fence over there. Their ball is going back towards the fence. And then other people would say, oh, that's fun. When you get close, I'll do it again. And you'll go back again. And I, I wish I had screenshotted and zoomed in on the giant sign with the rules that they were reading in the first time. Because I wonder if it would have specified. Because you would think the show would have shown it if they were allowed to do that. And we never saw it. And it seemed like this was a more a friendly game with their fancy outfits than it was a, I guess, cutthroat sounds mean, but a way that I was always taught to play. Yeah, and it seems to me like if they were allowed to do that, you definitely would have gotten a shot of John Montgomery doing that. <laughs> yes. We didn't even see, do we even see John like, I don't think he even was playing croquet. Though. No, he, he never, was riding the plane. Yeah, he got to be in the plane, but I, maybe they give him a list and they're like, okay, which ones do you want to do? And <laughs> this one didn't make for very exciting footage because again you're not allowed to do anything fun uh but if you're playing doubles this is this is where it gets interesting because you could have one person basically responsible for playing offense and one person playing defense and the person playing defense can just be like croqueting everybody's ball is is that what it's called um, <laughs> yeah um, it is called I'm the just... croquet stroke i am here on the wikipedia page for croquet <laughs> it's not whacking <laughs> no it's not called whacking it should be but it's not it's the croquet stroke is that's what the game is named after so i feel like you should be able to do the thing that the game is named after yeah that makes sense but see the thing is the way they did it here both people had to get through all the my gosh i don't have the wikipedia page up they both had to go through the circular oval things and then touch the stick at the end i should have written better notes and so the person playing defense would be fine, but eventually that person then, even if they were allowed to do that, would have to turn around and start their own movement forward. And the other two people could then say, okay, now we're going to gang up on you. And so you got to be careful with your strategy here. Yeah, see, this is already, we have made this more interesting than what we got on the show. And I know they are compressing it for time. They need to make a whole show. They are packing twice as many activities into this as the U.S. Amazing Race. But still, this could have been the centerpiece of the episode. And they chose not to do that. So that's, it's it's disappointing is all. Yeah, and um, I mean, we could see it. Of course, Jesse. Super good at croquet. I don't know that guy. He's like got all these skills. Also new French, but super good at croquet. Seemed to be the best out there. Everyone else mostly was okay. You know, oh, Fresnella was very good being golfers. But in general, it was like, um, by the end, it seemed like the show just kind of almost yada yada through most of the croquet. It was like, here's two shots. Oh, they won. Now let's yeah. move on. And I mean, this was not, I don't think this was the worst face-off they've done. Um, I can't think of what the worst was. I mean, I can think of good ones I mean, or like ones like they did the darts, they did the curling. I think of the polo hockey being memorable for another reason with everyone quitting. <laughs> but I can't think of the really bad ones, but I feel like this was fine. But it, 
if they had been allowed, because we easily could have lost some, like if they were allowed to do that, we could have lost some minutes, even if we did all the same tasks on the stamps and on the flying and totally added it here and turned the face off into it. But again, I kind of don't like when the face off is on the non elimination leg. It's kind of like when they put the U turn there, where I know they're trying to keep the people guessing, but it's like the face off is designed to kind of be like, this is where we make our move. This is where we can catch up. And it didn't matter. Yeah, the face-off needs to matter. It needs to be the centerpiece of the episode, and it needs to matter. Because I feel like it is, when it's deployed correctly, it adds so much drama to the game. And it really gives people that are behind, the, it gives them a little bit of hope. It could knock a really, I think more importantly, it could really knock a good team down if it's not playing to their strengths. and. I think I've seen this on other on other international versions of the Amazing Rise where it's called the double battle. There have been occasions where a team like comes in in first or second and then they just keep losing and losing and losing and all of a sudden they're bumped to the end. And that is that is kind of exciting television. So I feel like this is this has the most potential to mix up the order and so if it's going to have that potential it needs to realize that potential. Like we need to see it be a really exciting event where we are wondering every time who's going to win. And like you said before, it was just like this team loses and then the next time they win and then the next then that team wins the next time. And it it was like everybody played it twice. And that's not terribly exciting. Right. The only exception was Catherine and Craig. And the reason they played it a third time is because they lost to Fresnella, who were like really good. So it's like that's not but everyone else. Corden Alley didn't seem very good. And then I thought, well, Brandon and Connor seem to have a lot of skills. Maybe they've done this a lot, but Courtney beat them easily because they hadn't done it before. So then everyone just like basically five and six, the most important thing, the back teams that stay in the back, the team that arrived first left first, the team that were five and six stay there. There was a little bit of shuffling in the middle, but it didn't have a dramatic one. It didn't impact who got the Marshall's gift card and two, it didn't impact even who finished near the end. And granted, there is another task, which I always appreciate that the Amazing Race Canada does not do the U.S. thing of putting a head-to-head right before the pit stop. They had one more thing to do, and then they had to go to the pit stop. Uh, but I don't know how much. It seemed like the last task, while a lot of fun, did not have um, a lot of ability to change things. Yeah, the last task, I have some notes for that task as well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Actually, Dan, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions I have for you about this because I want to know how you thought it played because it seems like there's a little bit of controversy here with the, um, with the task called J'accuse, which is a very fun thing to say. Uh, you had some teams that understood enough French to pick out what was being said. And then every other team just asked a bystander. And it seemed like a lot of people out there in internet land thought that this was, they should not have been allowed to just get somebody to translate for them. So I want to know what your thoughts are on this, Dan. You know, it's interesting because, um, for me, I th- that we did see teams that seemed to work through that didn't know French very well, like Brunella, who at least based on the edit seemed to work through it. But when Beverly and Veronica started asking people, I thought my thought was that's really smart because if you don't know French, you're not. It's, I mean, eventually they were saying it very slowly and enunciating, and they kept saying like a pray for after, you know, before. So there was ways to figure it out. But I never had the thought like, oh, that's cheating or that's not allowed because we've seen plenty of times. There are tasks, plenty of times where it's like the real trick is finding the right locals to help you. Now, the one hesitation I have here is it did make it really easy if you found the right people. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that is that is a problem, but it's also like. I could also see a situation in which you don't get that help. You could be there all night. Like there could be a point where you're never going to get it. And I, nobody wants that either. So I feel like maybe there are ways they could have adjusted this task to make it a little bit less obvious that you can just find a random person to translate for you. But I'm not sure exactly how you go about that. Yeah, because how do you, because I feel like, like we saw like the chef, he clearly was struggling to remember his words. It seemed like he was looking down. I don't know if he had a, a note card or something. Other people seem to really get it and never be on top of it. I don't mean to pick on the chef. I'm just an example I saw. Seems like a great guy, though, I guess, you know. He's a murderer, he Dan. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why he was so awkward, because he knew he was the killer. He was but, lying. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I just um thing is I like I feel like Canada General does things like this better. They put them in a silly outfit, they go around people, the actors get really into it. I especially love the woman with the sausages who was really doing it. I love the guy holding the giant cheese. I know I'm getting <laughs> a little distra- I don't really understand, but I'm getting the cheesemonger. The wine lady had like a cool accent that was really uh, all over the top, it seemed like, but not to, to veer away. But um, I don't know how you, I mean, how you, I mean, you could make a rule, but again, like I said, the show, I don't get the impression, especially this season that the show is looking for like epic legs, like five hours or they, they don't really want teams to take penalties. These are designed to be the most, once you arrive in the area, 
Everything's pretty close together. Doing things quickly. It takes a few hours. You're done. And things seem to be set up where they're hard, but not too hard. And this seems to fit with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it was just like just enough of a challenge. But that being said, I wonder if there's a way that you could, I don't know, exchange time for clues. Like having this all written out would make it very easy. So could you, I, I, I'm not sure. I think I maybe I'm galaxy braining this a little bit much, but <laughs> I also, I think the show did not expect that people would not be able to pick it out because I, I'm always surprised by how few how few people on Amazing Race Canada actually speak a lot of French. And it's amazing that that the show can pull this on them over and over. And there's one team that has any degree of French fluency when it's like, you guys are reading food packaging your entire lives. How do you not know more French than this? <laughs> and also, I think they were banking on people picking out Avant and Après, which are pretty common French words that are in the English vernacular. So I, if they knew going in that the person is going to say, I saw this person either before or after this person, I think you figure out, and I think we saw Beverly and Veronica do this a bit where they figure out Avant and Après, and then you can hear the rest of it. Like you can kind of pick out the noun on either side of that. Yeah, it's almost like a puzzle. It's less even about the French. It's more about yeah. like it's almost like they're num they're giving you numbers. I know that it's yeah. not the same, but once you figure out the pattern, it's like you just get a piece of I mean, or I guess you're not supposed to write it down, but you're I guess they did have papers. I saw them writing papers. You get a yeah, piece of paper right. and you go, you have everyone and you just start moving people around and eventually it's like who's at the bottom? But and I think I did enjoy the react. I think the main reason to have people not know French is just for the reactions where you have, you know, the people just they tell them to do it in English. And they just start over. Or I love Brendan O'Connor just laughing like, what what is this? But in general, I don't I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fun, the best part about this was the reaction. But I did expect it to be a little more when they're and the guy's like. There has been a crime. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that guy's accent was, and I love how like they, they go up to give him the answer. And again, it's like, he's like a robot. It's like you're at a Disney ride. He comes up and immediately he's like, there has been a crime. He's like, yeah, yeah, we got the answer. Stop, stop. What are you doing? Now, granted, that could have been an insert. Like we've talked about, you know, where they just, maybe they use the same insert of him saying they there's did. been a crime I, every time. 100% did, Dan. <laughs> but, um, but I like to believe that's not true. I like, like we talked about with the clues. I like to believe the woman at Subway every time said, here's your foot long or whatever to the person. But veering back to him, I thought it would be more complicated. And it, that is one thing where I feel like there's been a lot of times this season where they've announced what the task is. It could even be something like making a pie where at first I go, wow, that sounds really hard. Maybe it's just John Montgomery is just really leading me on. And then they do it. And I think, you know, that wasn't really that hard. It didn't look as bad. And I think this kind of falls into that where this was silly, but not as difficult. And here you are accusing John Montgomery of having no poker face. He is selling these tasks <laughs> as difficult and you're buying what he's selling. I'm very gullible. That's what I'll say. While watching the show, I'm just like, I'm, I'm in watching the show. I'd be the one where he'd be like, so what happened out there? And I'd be crying. I'd be like, I'm done. <laughs> 
And then he'd be like, actually, it's not elation. And I'd just be hugging all these. I'd be hugging the greeters, you know, like the total thing. Because again, it's like you're in the show. You're just doing it. That, that's how I look at it, I guess. Yeah, maybe they get away with more. Like we, the viewers, we are rested. We are not. We have yeah. nothing at stake here, except that we kind of feel like we need to pay close attention so we can make a good podcast. But the average viewer has nothing at stake. And so there's no pressure, there's no stress. And so we can kind of micro, we can kind of micromanage the analysis of John Montgomery's facial expressions to try to decide whether we think we he's being ingenuous or not. But yeah, maybe in the moment, in the moment, you don't have to be a good actor because you're already primed for what's going to happen and you can't think of it critically. I do have a question for you about John Montgomery, though. He told Court and Alley that last week they were close. They were closer than the, the, the race was closer than the skin of their teeth. And then this week, John said this week was even closer. So what's closer than closer than the skin of their teeth? Like, what is that? Well, I think it's a spectrum, Dan. It's not an absolute. It's it's not either or. It's just even closer. We're getting very granular here. <laughs> this is how this episode was. This is what I got me. We're talking, we're, we're digging into the game of croquet. We're talking about phrasing. I don't know. Is that a good sign for the episode or not? I say no. I think this was fine entertainment. It's not great podcasting. Um, but along those lines, I, I think maybe John Montgomery is just always very excited about everything. And it's sort of one of those situations, you know, how on The Bachelor, when they always say that this is the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. I think maybe for John Montgomery, every every week is the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. I think so. You know, he's just excited about driving around Canada in a Chevy and just, you know, stopping by and enjoying the, you know, he's he's the cultural ambassador of Canada, as I've been told. <laughs> so, you know, he's just it's good. And um, yeah, I mean, I think. We got a lot of mileage this week out of some of the like the actors involved in that task. The teams, I still feel like, um, you know, they do their best. They have the. I, I really enjoyed Courts um, when the inspector said there has been a crime. Courts <laughs> like we've got this inspector. We're on it. <laughs> <was> like, yes, <laughs> that's the kind of response I want. Courts. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it when they when they really play along yeah dry humor i think there's more from them than, than we've seen i think they're a lot funnier than i mean just because we've seen there's some bigger personalities yeah this was a big week for them and there's other teams that we barely saw at all like i i spent entire chunks of this episode forgetting that brendan and connor even existed they really they got one great moment when they're playing croquet they slipped in a happy gilmore reference which i was happy to hear but other than that, like, didn't see them at all. Like, they just kind of showed up at the end to get non-eliminated. Yeah, it was one. That's where I knew, like, I mean, even when they had the whole thing at the end, like, we don't have our bags. We don't need our bags. We don't have it went on for a really long time. You know, just kept going on. And I was sitting there thinking, no, this doesn't. This is a team that's been very strong. This doesn't feel like them getting eliminated. And I didn't think there, I knew that was fake editing. I knew that Cortinelli would be fifth, but I was like, it's to have a team just, I mean, even they seem bored. I don't understand. This is like the, the most 
over the top team ever. And this week they were just kind of, maybe they were just really tired and didn't have enough guru energy drinks. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't see the guru energy drinks, Dan. Maybe that was it. Maybe they didn't get any. <laughs> That's been their secret. That's why they're so like up to 11. Where's the mango, mango, mango guru? Where is it? Yeah, there's no sign up board to be giving out energy drinks. And so nobody had any energy. That That's definitely it. So we need more guru. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I should mention that third time in four legs, Jesse and Marika win the leg and they're just piling up. They have now tied for the Marshall's gift card leaderboard, getting first place, which I admit I went back and chronicled. We can talk about that a little bit. But I love, um, that, I love that you have this listed out. <laughs> well, I went, it wasn't that hard because, you know, there's wonderful friends like Wikipedia that tell you the prize of each leg. And so I guess I'll just say it now. We are looking at a total of $19,000 has been given out in Marshall's gift cards. Fernella and Jesse and Marika both have 6,500. Fernella got that 5,000 one time. Uh, Brendan O'Connor, 4,000. Catherine or Craig, 2,000. So they could have a serious shopping spree, this group. And I suspect with three legs left, we're probably looking at another six to 7,000 maybe of Marshall's. I mean, these top teams could seriously rake it in. I don't think they'll get it in the finale, though. I don't think they're going to stop. And then John to be like, by the way, here's 50,000 to Marshall's. Oh, I don't spoiler think alert, Dan. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. The cash prize is actually in Marshall's gift cards. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wonderful. And you have to spend them at that one store in Toronto. That's yep. all you can do. That's yep. where you have to go. But so, yeah, a lot of Marshall's happening. A lot of Marshall's. Um, you could buy the chair and the matching pillow for $6,500, I feel like. Might even have some left over. Let's go, Jesse. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, that's like... So if you have if you have $6,500, how many $200 outfits is that? It's a lot. It's a I lot. mean, I can do the math. So it's it's you know, 32. <laughs> yeah, 3,250 if I'm doing the math correctly on 6,500. But... um. Thirty-two and a half, two hundred dollar outfits. Oh my gosh, three thousand two hundred fifty. What am I doing? No, well, that would be if each one was two dollars, which also is possible. I don't know, clearance yeah. rack maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've I've bought things for two dollars at Marshalls before. It, it's definitely possible. That'd be like a challenge. Like, how many pieces of clothing can I buy with my six thousand five hundred dollars at Marshalls? Yeah, it's a lot. It's- I, I feel like we need to get some like webisodes of everybody spending their Marshall's gift cards. I want to know what they bought at this point. This is like a lifetime supply at Marshall's. <laughs> you know, they've done webisodes before. They had those ones with Phil and Martina doing the cooking. Yeah. And then they had Steph and Kristen like in the car. They had that whole thing. So, I mean, I don't know if that was official or a side thing, but still it's happened before something similar. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're saving it for next for next summer, but I'm not sure, Dan. Um, but yeah, we just like breezed through this entire episode because there really wasn't there wasn't enough here. I hope next week we get a little bit more to talk about. But why don't we take a little break to hear from our sponsors? And then when we get back, we will go through some listener questions, because at least at least those people came through for us where the show did not. 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. All right. And we are back to go through some listener questions. So we asked for questions out on Twitter and um, in the Robin's Podcast patron Facebook group. And we got a lot of really interesting questions, I think. Um, And I want to start with one from AM here, who brings up a really important point that I think we've been kind of ragging on it all season, but we need to go on record here. And so they say, have there been more non-elimination legs than usual this season? Or does it just feel like that because of the returning teams? I enjoy the teams and some of the tasks, but I'm not feeling any urgency this season. Maybe it's just me. I did like seeing them have to speed walk in the museum. Well, Jess, you know, I feel like I did a lot of research this week. So, you know, maybe I was anticipating there wasn't as much to talk about here. So um, I went back through and looked up and, and let me be clear. I did not delineate between keep on racing versus non-elimination with speed bumps. So this is just legs where the team was not eliminated in any form. Yeah. So FYI, this, amazing race yeah. US, a keep on racing leg still counts as a non-elimination leg. You can split all the hairs you want, but I know your game. And I know that this fall, we're going to be seeing a lot of keep on racing legs and you're going to try to sit there with a straight face and tell us there are no non-elimination legs. That is disingenuous, my friends. What about a mega leg with um, them splitting it in half for the week? Does that also not count? That's that not also a... does not count. <laughs> so no, I don't think they'll ever do a mega leg again. But still, I agree. They're going to do some keep on racing because um, it's just math. <laughs> it's how it works with how many legs there are. But going back to this, this question. So there have been four non-elimination legs this season. Now, this assumes you're not back the Denison Rell being eliminated at the mini golf. I don't count that as a non-elimination on its own, or I don't count that as elimination because to me, non-elimination legs mean that the end of the leg, you get there and they say you're last, but you're not eliminated or you're last. Keep on racing. If that's the case four non-elimination legs in eight episodes so far, I assume that will be it. Now, um, if we look at other seasons, we've never had four before, but we have had three. We've actually had three non-elimination legs in the last four seasons. All those seasons had 11 episodes, 10 teams, same deal. Now, we also had three non-elimination legs in seasons one and two. Those had more episodes, different numbers of teams. I don't want to go through all of it. Season three only had two non-elimination legs, 12 episodes, 12 teams. How do we do that? There were so many eliminations, Jess. I don't even know what was happening that season. But um, in general, not it's different. But not as different as I th- it feels, I guess. It's literally one more, and it seems much more than that. I'm not sure how. That's really interesting because mathematically, I guess we are right where we're supposed to be at this point in the season. And I think it's just all the teams coming back and the same teams getting eliminated more than once makes it feel more like we haven't seen enough eliminations. Because I think part of the draw of every reality TV program is 
tuning in every week to see the numbers go down and see who's going to be the person who's eliminated that night. And when it keeps being the same teams getting eliminated, it just feels like it's a lot less. Yeah, like when you have the whole thing where who will be eliminated next? Who will be eliminated tonight? That's kind of a typical question. Not who will come back and then not be eliminated and then come back again. I mean, again, I understand production. They had some things they had to do. But yeah, we had Julian Cathy get eliminated twice. We had Cassie and Jamie get eliminated twice. You had Courtney finished last twice, still in the race. You had other people leave and come back. It's been chaotic, but really... If the, if none of this had happened, I assume the legs where they were going to have non-eliminations were going, it was definitely going to be leg two where it happened and it would have been this leg and then likely probably the leg, like leg four, it might've been just legs two, four, six, or this is not six, this is eight, but you know what I mean? I guess technically it might've been, I'm not sure about the middle, but I think this one and leg two would have been non-eliminations and then one of the middle ones would have been, they might've shifted that. But it seems more, like you said, because there are teams that never finished very high that just kept being on our screens. Yeah, and teams that actually finished last that continued to be on our screens. <laughs> A lot. Yeah, and it's it's just, I think it just being the same teams over and over contributes to that feeling of we are not making any forward progress. But, you know, we did start the season with 10 teams and we are down to six teams. So somebody went somewhere. <laughs> yeah. In eight episodes. And I think that's the thing too. We're having this here versus um in like, like 10 or like right before the end. If like, it seems more because it's been kind of bunched that way where we just had a non elimination in like six. And I know we had the double elimination but I don't know if that makes up for if, if like it had just been elimination, elimination. Now it would have felt different than two last week, none, because the drama is different because there, you don't have the drama this week. If they had just, I mean, I hate to say it, if they had just eliminated one team in like seven and one team in like eight, it would have felt different. Um, but I thought the double elimination was interesting, but I don't know if it actually helped this week. It's a good point, Dan. And I think the double elimination was just them scrambling because they knew like how many slots they had for upcoming tasks and they knew how many teams they had to be at at that point. I think we have to give them and we have to give them a lot of credit for coming up with all of this on the fly. Like they were really very nimble as far as being able to adjust their tasks to bring people on and take people off. And that is that is also itself kind of amazing. So the fact that they, they, they have the number of teams they expected to have at this point in the race is maybe we're not giving that enough credit. Right. Where I think they did probably some amazing things from a production perspective for the season to not never have existed for the fact that we were able with the three teams going out, we were able to still have a season of TV and have a, and you know, I'm assuming everyone stays healthy the rest of the way. Again, I don't, you know, I don't know anything, but I'm just saying that then you have a situation where you have four teams at least that were able to just go start to finish that, um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the teams that have been around the whole time that have never finished last until this point with Brendan and Connor and probably are going to, you know, could do well going forward. There have been some achievements there, 
And hopefully they've learned some things where if they do this again next year, which I assume they will, I think they're doing well with ratings, that they will learn some things about um, what maybe they would do differently. But it is tough, though, just on its own. As a TV product, it's still, it's a challenge sometimes to um, stay. I'm into the teams, but I'm not always as into everything they've chosen, I guess. Yeah, and honestly, that's going to be my first question. Like, if we get to talk to Phil ahead of Amazing Race US, I'm going to want to know, like, what did that first COVID season teach you about about running things on the fly? And how is that informed, like, how things are going to be going forward? Because I think it's a very interesting question, like, how much more flexible this production schedule has to be in order to accommodate this kind of interruption. Right. Yeah. Because I'm sure with us, they wanted, I mean, they bring back the plane. I saw that in the commercial they've been showing, but I'm sure that they, they have probably done it. I mean, obviously the first time that the major race Canada knew going in that COVID was out there when the U S did 33, they didn't know this was going to be how it went. I mean, they might've heard some things, but they didn't know it was going to be like how the world went. This time they they don't have that. They know how are they going to um, possibly adjust the show if a team tests positive or crew members or whatever. Yeah, and I think I think Canada and Australia are really both interesting examples here. And I don't want to spoil too much for Australia, but I know that positive COVID tests definitely affected production on that as well. And I think we're about to see that. I think in the next episode of Australia starts to get into that. But these two seasons being the first seasons where it was always a thing really are kind of instructive as far as I think what the U.S. season might look like. And I imagine they're all talking to each other and learning from each other's experience. Right, because this is different than Survivor, Tough as Nails, The Challenge, whatever, where you can really work on setting up a bubble. It's not perfect, but it's much easier, especially with this new Australia season where they're going around the world and with U.S., which they are also going around the world. Um, That adds to the, because at least in Canada, I mean, they seem to, it's not as much like you're out in somewhere that you're not as familiar with. Yeah, it's true. Do you think do you think Canada is ever going to go international again? Um, if there was if we did not have COVID, I would say definitely yes. Depending on how what happens with the world in the and I'm not going to be the one to speculate on that, but I would not have guessed Australia was going to do it this year. If I didn't already know, I would have thought they had a successful season in Australia. They'll do that again similar to how Australian Survivor stayed in Australia. That's a little different because it's not a travel show. But um, I think think if they can, they will try to go overseas next year. If they cannot, they may also start thinking about other types of, maybe it's time for All-Stars or something like that. If they're going to stay in Canada, maybe they'll look for another way to kind of make the season stand out. I don't know. That's just off the top of my head. I haven't really thought about it. But my thing is they're going to want to have some sort of splash if they come back next season. I hope they can go overseas. But I don't know. Are they going to be a little um, nervous about it after what happened here? Yeah, I would say 
they have every right to be gun shy about that. Although all-star season definitely raises an interesting question that we got on Twitter this week. Um, Edward Giordano asked us if there was an amazing race, us V Canada, which five or six Canadian teams would you choose? That's really interesting. And I hadn't noticed that question. So I haven't thought about this at all in advance. Well, so you I on guess thought here, Dan, oh, that's okay. I just saw, I saw it like a minute ago. I was like, Oh, I haven't thought about that, but there's kind of two sides of it though. Is this like supposed to be the best teams ever? Or is this supposed to be just like the biggest characters? And I don't know. I, I have pretty good answers for best teams or stronger teams. Big characters. Hmm. That one's probably, I mean, I have to think about it a little more. Maybe a mix. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think you need a mix. I, I And I think that's been every Amazing Race All-Star season has tried to be a mix. You know, when it's not just like Bertram Van Munster writing fan fiction about which which season he'd like to redo entirely. It's so, yeah. yeah. No, I have, I definitely have teams I would like to see come back. Um, Me too. Like certainly teams that I think would be very good and teams that I think would be big characters, but I'm just going to go ahead and give you some big character teams. Like I think you don't do an amazing race Canada all-stars without Phil and Martina, for instance. Um, I think Dave and arena are kind of a lock. Um, I, I think they bring the drama in a way that people are not going to expect out of a Canadian team. If they haven't burned that bridge, that is. Yeah. <laughs> if Dave hasn't like, and I don't, I'm not going to just, yeah, if he hasn't like written too many crazy, pulled like a Russell Hans and, you know, with Australian Survivor, and been like, <laughs> you know, never, never again. I thought of like, you know, the funny thing is I would totally think Jet and Dave, if they hadn't just been on the show and gone well, out of first. Course, yeah. And now I'm like, oh no, that got ruined. Um, I would think you'd want a strong female team. Now, granted, of course, you know, you have, Megan and Natalie, but I think Steph and Kristen being a more recent team might be more likely. But one of those two teams, I think you would want because both For of those sure. teams. I don't know if you'd have them both just because, again, if you're only having five or six teams, how many do you want of that? I also really think Jillian and Emmett, if you're going to bring back a team mm. with a lot of drama and ridiculousness, might be a team that would do that. I mean, again, they weren't. He's kind of your pretty straight arrow person, but she was ridiculous that i think about it that might be something good um trying to think because the winners i'm trying to think of other winners but i wouldn't do gino and jesse i wouldn't think those the other two guys i mean there's been a few groups of guys that have won I mean, you could probably do mickey and pete they would mm. be pretty good tv um i think if you're bringing back a winner steph and christian would probably be that team but adam and courtney would be fun tv and they're definitely, that's a team that you see on every season of The Amazing Race. Right. And also they would be strong. Like, you know, if you want to do like a, this is a tough season, we've brought in, you know, Steph and Kristen or people like people that are strong. I mean, Phil and Martina were deceptively strong in a different way. But um, yeah, Adam and, Adam and Courtney would be, would be good for that too. Um, and then I guess we would see about this season if they wanted to bring someone from this season everything shakes out in the end that's i'm not 100 percent sure yet based on where we are yeah i mean which team do you think it'd be if we were bringing a team if we were going to cast an all-star season 
based on the teams that we have in this in the mix this season, who do you think that who do you think you'd see them bringing back? Hmm. You know, my first thought was Fernella, but again, again, it's like what if are they what type of team are they going for? I thought about Catherine and Craig, but I also feel like they are having a really good story this season. And I don't think they wouldn't just do the story again. Um, if you want like goofy Canadian dudes, I guess Brendan O'Connor would kind of fit for that. But I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Because I don't know about Jesse and Marika. I don't feel like, I mean, I like them. They seem like really nice people and they're good racers, but they don't really jump off the screen for this. Yeah, they're so, your favorite kind of team, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of dry, kind of silly, good racers, funny. But probably Fernella if I had to pick one. But again, um, it all depends on the makeup of everyone else, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you get Brendan and Connor after Mickey and Pete turn you down and after Jet and Dave turn you down. And I think you go to Brendan and Connor because they're kind of in the same bucket. Um, but they also have the recency going for them. I think it would have to be Fernella. I think they've been far and away the most memorable team like they're kind of the center of all the drama um and they're also they're quite funny and they're quite capable they've thought outside the box a couple of times i think that's a team you want to see representing your country in this hypothetical international amazing race all-stars yeah and i guess i wonder i guess we haven't been asked where the u.s teams would be i guess on that because they were just asking which canadian i mean u.s there's so many options i guess but i would hope it would not just be like Let's bring the Afghanimals again. You know, I did enjoy. <laughs> you Leo know, they the would though. <laughs> no, I did enjoy Leo on the challenge a lot, but I don't. I don't know if I need to see them again. But or would it, you know be Tyler and Corey or you know I mean these aren't teams I don't like. Team Fun, whatever they. I'm just naming teams that were on season thirty one. But <laughs> Colin Christie. But really, I mean that was a really um, enjoyable season. Um, yeah, I don't know with with US. I feel like. It depends. Are you going for star power? Do you really pull out like the Robin Amber card, even though they're much older and probably not as good at it? Or do you go for really one of the strongest teams? Of course, Tyler and Corey are totally the star power, really. So that would also fit that. Yeah, I think I think you bring Tyler and Corey. And um, I think you probably also, you would want to bring somebody that had like, I, I think I would see a Brenchel coming back for that. Yes, that's that's the Jillian and El- Emmett counterpart. Yeah. What if way. they brought them both back? <laughs> oh, they they would because Jillian too, and Emmett are basically the Brenchel of Canada. <laughs> they would totally do that. That would it's kind of brilliant in a way. You just have counterparts for each team. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like heroes and villains. <laughs> you know, I'm liking the season more and more. I feel like it's there's enough teams where you could even have like your second choices on a lot and still have a really strong season. Like for, and I hate to say archetype for each type of team, even Canada has at least two good options. And if you're talking like six of each, man, I wish they would do it. I don't think they ever would. And I would love to see John and Phil trying to co-host it and how ridiculous that would be. Better yet, Dan, how about this? We start out with a full cast of 10 teams from Canada and we let them run one leg of the race and we eliminate a team. And then we, the next episode, we have 10 teams from the U S and then they run a leg and they eliminate a team. And then they just bring 18 teams together. 
That's crazy. No show would ever do that. They no would show never would do ever that. do that. You're right. It's too ridiculous. <laughs> uh, never, never. I mean, unless they had kind of a ridiculous host that is yeah. even make John Montgomery look very calm. <laughs> yeah, we need we need a host that makes John Montgomery look standoffish. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, what world? What world do we live in here? That's all I will say. Dad. It's cuckoo bananas. So hit me with another question, Dan. Okay. Um, well, Matthew Bayless wanted to know how would you be certain from the plane the letter was an M and not a W? Um, I think it had straight legs, <laughs> and I think the angle at which the plane approached it made it clear that it was an M. <laughs> I, I I'm good with that, you know, because a lot of the questions left. I mean, Josh Creek asked if anyone wanted to look up the French translation for out of pocket, um, <laughs> you know, just to kind of taunt Brendan and Connor a little more because they did not find the pocket this week, I will say. But um, I don't know. I don't I have an update to give in a moment. But do you have any other questions we should answer first, Jess? Um, no, I think we've tackled. I think we've tackled most of these things. Like we did get some questions about croquet and we did get some questions about translations, but I think these are points we already covered. So I am very curious to hear about your other major research project that you undertook this week. Well, I kept an eye on, if you remember last week where I gave the lengthy, probably too long explanation about the show brew docking, which is on the go RV in Canada, YouTube channel. And we raised a challenge to our listeners. Could we lift their number of subscribers with the RHAP bump? And we did. So last week, it was 2.41 thousand subscribers. 2.41 thousand. So 2,410. Why is it written that way? <laughs> and now it's 2.4K, which is 2,440. And I am taking for all 30-ish of those subscribers. So everyone, please keep doing it. I want to see this go up by the end of the season to 2.50K or 2,500. That's what I want to see. It's a reasonable goal, Dan. I think we can get there. I'm con- and thanks again to all 30 of you because the rehab bump is clearly real. <laughs> no one just found this on its own. That's the only way, you know, that well, Go RV in Canada would get this type of bump. I have to assume that all of the John Montgomery stands were already subscribed. Yeah, because they've had seven episodes, but I think they have not had any for a little bit. So I wonder, I have not watched episode seven. I mean, it's not like a binge watch type thing. Every episode's kind of the same. But I wonder if at the end, maybe John said, that's it. I've seen every single microbrewery in Canada and then said, make Canada proud and left. I don't know. Or maybe there was a cliffhanger for next season. I'm not sure. But I would like to say that, um, who knows, maybe we will have more brew docking coming soon. Everything was a month ago. It all came out at some point around a month ago. So you're right. I think everyone jumped on in the first month. And now the bump is us. I believe in us. Yeah, we can cause a little bit of a slow burn here. We can get some more people on board because I, I will say, Dan, I jumped right on after we got off the podcast last week and I watched a bunch of them. And you're right. It doesn't really stand up to a binge. It really made me want a beer, but it was it was very fun. And production values are shockingly high. Yes. So <laughs> I I have to recommend it. Like if you like John Montgomery at all, and if you like beer at all, if you like those two things together, this is the show for you. 
yes, I enjoyed um, all of that, and I enjoy pretty scenery. Because when I saw this, I thought this has to be like a really big deal, and it's got to be getting shown somewhere else because that kind of budget is not for a YouTube channel that is two point four. My gosh, I can't say it. Two thousand four hundred forty subscribers. <laughs> um, the budget needs. They had to have gotten some funding from something more, or unless it was just like the Canada Tourism Board or something. I don't know, but. They had they spent some money. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe GoRVing.com has them as webisodes or they're showing them uh, the equivalent of like the TV guide channel up there. Uh, I know that we get a lot of really interesting short form content on our cable providers on demand channels. So. I don't know there. I can see a lot of uses for it. Um this kind of spawn con is definitely it's flexible for sure. Yes, I agree. And I'm, I will keep an eye on it for future episodes. Hopefully the episode will be so thrilling next week that I will only give a brief update, but um, we will see new, new Brunswick next week with people dressing up in costumes as villagers. So could be fun. I mean, new Brunswick is always a fun time. Um, but yeah, speaking of SpawnCon, I wanted to highlight uh, other things that are going on in the RHAP universe this week, Dan. Um, we have we have all kinds of content in um, the RHAP and Rehap Ups Network for all types of TV viewers. And I wanted to particularly tell you about the Off Speed Sports Podcast, which is hosted by Canada's own Grace Leader. And this dives into all kinds of sports TV content. And there's an episode this week with Brian Cohen and Jordan Kalish discussing the new seven part Derek Jeter doc on ESPN entitled the captain. So if you have any kind of interest in the sports balls, this is the podcast for you. And even if you don't, I, I found it. I mean, grace is always amazing. So I have found the podcast itself to be just a fun listen in general. So once again, that's Off Speed Sports Podcast. That's on the General Reality TV Rehap Ups feed. And I believe it has its own feed as well. So you can subscribe to it however you would like to subscribe to that in the podcatcher of your choice. And Dan, what else is going on for you this week? Well, I host a show called the Tomorrow Society Podcast about theme parks. Next week, my new episode with a friend of mine, Lauren, who recently went to Disney World and gives her review of the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind Ooh. Coaster. Yes, and um, spoiler alert, she enjoyed it. So um, I have not ridden it. I was there in March, was not there before it came out in May, but talking all about that at tomorrowsociety.com. Very, very cool, Dan. Um, over on over on Post Show Recaps, I've got something dropping over the weekend where we're going to be talking about Tales of the Walking Dead. And this is a six-episode series that is airing on AMC right now. Every week we got a different episode. It's kind of an anthology series. And this week we're going to be talking about episodes three and four and AJ Mass and Chappelle and I got together and that should be hitting your feeds probably Sunday night, Monday morning. And that's over at pushrecaps.com. Check out everything on RHAP Reality TV Rehap Ups and Post Show Recaps for pretty much anything you're watching on TV right now. I guarantee you someone in our network is talking about it. If you want to support us, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can, of course, uh, you can of course support us financially at patreon.com slash Rob has a podcast. I think Rob has a podcast.com slash Patreon. They both work. 
and you get lots of extra perks, including access to additional podcasts, uh, early access to some of the podcasts. You get access to a Facebook group full of your fellow patrons. And let me tell you, Dan, I'm not going to say that you meet the love of your life there, but we did celebrate our fourth podcast related marriage. So Rob is definitely getting into heaven because he's caused like four married couples to happen due to his fan base, uh, which is pretty incredible. I'm not saying you'll meet the love of your life, but you're not going to meet the love of your life. if You don't support us. Um, well, you, you might, but you won't meet them through the podcast. That's for sure. Um, you can also rate and review. We have an Amazing Race feed, and we also have a Reality TV wrap-ups feed. You can review the podcast in either place on the podcast review choice, and that helps other people find the podcast. Um, we also love the tweets, so you can please leave your feedback as you're watching the episode. You can tweet at us at Haymaker Hattie and at the Dan Heaton. Let us know what you're thinking of the episode. If you have any questions for us, we'll try to tackle them on the podcast. And do not worry. I know we are both a couple of filthy Americans who do not watch the show in real time. Uh, do not worry about spoiling us because we're eventually going to find out everything that happens. So go ahead and Leave your thoughts as they occur to you. It doesn't bother us to be a little bit spoiled. So I think that brings us to the end of the program. Thank you very much, Dan, for being with me as always. I guess they can't all be total barn burners. Oh, thank you. I'm still excited about the rest of the season. Um, I think it's going to be a fun finish. They're going to have to start eliminating people eventually. So <laughs> I, I hope spring's eternal that somebody's going home next week. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, I am as well. And I'm excited to be sharing this experience with all of you, the listeners. So thank you very much to you, the listeners. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes, to Scott and Chelsea and Tricky and everybody else who helps to keep things running here at RHAP. And thanks one more time to Dan. We'll see you all next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.